morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Matthew. So it's Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The second reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceedings to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Here ends the reading. Slightly easier with the readings this week as we continue our communion series exploring the identity of Baptists and who we are as a church. This week, particularly, we are looking at the primacy of the local church. So it's one of our defining factors as Baptists. And our model of church is based on an early church in Acts that met in people's homes. It was a local church out of a local community, a gathered group of believers coming together. The idea is that although individuals are called by God to make a confession of faith, they also called to be part of a faith community. And similar to the stories of the New Testament, um, baptism is the beginning of that journey of individuals. It's where we start, and it's almost always followed by a reception into a membership and community of believers. Tommaso was a perfect demonstration of this a few weeks ago as he took to baptism and then became part a member here at Bloomsbury Baptist Church. It is a community that learns from one another but governs itself. That is to say we do not give control to any group of elders or priests or bishops. We value our independence as a local church, as a local gathering, a local expression of what it is to be us, of what it is to do church. We are able to make decisions that we have discerned for ourselves when we come together and we discern the mind of Christ. We are a priesthood of all believers. 
And that's a point I will come back to later. We sometimes we commit ourselves to various bodies. We join in with larger parachurch organizations. But we can withdraw at any point. And we cannot be dictated to by these larger bodies. So sometimes we, we choose to be part of an association of other Baptist churches. And we choose to be part of a greater union of Baptist churches. But they have no power over us. Although it is rather disturbing to see regional ministers trying to set themselves up as bishops, dogmatic and controlling. And there are some associations that are trying to tell churches what they can and cannot do. And there are some of us that are fighting against that. Associations are not the church. And the union is not the church. In fact, there is no other word. There is no other church other than the local Baptist church in our language. We may talk about the wider church, but we think of that as being the ecumenical Catholic in the, not Roman sense, but the world church that we are a part of. We don't use the word church for anything else apart from local expressions of independent gathered communities. And so back to us. We are this gathered community. We are this local church that has been pulled together, not so local, but we gather because we are church. And if we did not gather, we would not be church. And so the readings I picked for us this morning, Acts and Matthew, give us light as to what a church should be. Because if we gather, then we must be gathering for a reason. The story in Acts is the birth of the church with a big C, so this world church, the, the, the larger church. But it starts with a small gathered community. And it's a glimpse and a foretaste of all that is yet to be in the history of the church. All that is our history of the church. So those who are welcomed, his message were baptized. And 3,000 persons were added to their number. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. They had all things in common and shared everything to those that had need. They broke bread at home and ate food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. And so we see, as I said, baptism is the start of an individual's journey. And then they become part of a larger whole. They become part of a faith community. They are not only immersed in water, but immersed into community. And then we see these four things in the first part of the Acts passage. There is teaching. They devoted themselves to teaching. They learned from the apostles, those that have walked with Jesus, that now wanted to share his stories. And that is the habit of discipleship, to learn. And we should never be, stop learning. 
And not only did they learn from each other, but they had fellowship. So they learned from each other. Faith is not a private matter. It's personal, but it should never be private. It should only ever have its, its worth in the context of a larger community, a larger body of people. We must sustain and support each other because we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And then we have the expression of that fellowship, of that coming together in the bread and the wine. And they broke bread together and they remembered Jesus and they remembered the resurrection. It is the quintessential expression of Christian fellowship. When we have the bread and the wine, we are not only having it with those that are in the room, we are having communion with all those that have ever taken it before. It is something that transcends space and time. It is that moment where we are connected to God. It symbolizes Christ's body. And as we come together, Christ is found in us. And then grounding all of these things is prayer. People would set aside time to pray. They carved out space in their daily lives to be holy. It was a standard pattern for their spiritual life. And it should be for ours too. And this passage finishes by saying God was adding to their number daily. And this church did not have a hierarchical priestly system. Its authority was Christ. They learnt for the apostles, but they were also independent and learning from each other and working it out as they went along. They were devoting themselves to God and learning from God. So you come back to today, and we see that model reflected in who we are. We do not have an Episcopal system, a hierarchy of priests whose authority we submit to. This is a feature of what is seen as the apostolic continuity of a church. In these um, churches that have that hierarchy, they see themselves as they're passing on that authority, that that is what connects them to the early church. And then you have the reformed church, who hold that the teaching that is being passed down is what connects us to that early church. It's the teaching that is the apostolic succession, the apostolic heritage that we have. But Baptists, we are uneasy with both and look to the meaning of the word apostle and Christ's words in the Gospels. Apostle is one cent. It's simple. And our first reading was from Matthew today. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age.
And so as Baptists, we believe that our apostolic connection to that early church is to go out and make disciples. That it is our outreach, our mission, the Great Commission that we should be doing. Go and make disciples. It's an interesting phrase. And grammatically, the words teaching and baptism are actually subordinate to this idea of going and making disciples. So that is the first and foremost call from Jesus to his people, to this gathered community that at this point weren't even called church. But this is what he was calling them to do. To go and make disciples. I wonder what do you think making disciples looks like? What does the word disciple mean to you? Because I don't think we should read this wrong. This is not about making converts. But what does making disciples mean for each of us here today? Because I think this is the final mark of what it is to be a local church, to be a gather community. It is to be a community that makes disciples. The word for disciple is mathetes. And it simply means one who engages in learning through instruction from one another. It means to be a pupil or an apprentice. So it's not a passive role. Discipleship involves discipline, time, effort. It's clearly a whole life thing. This is not something that is simple and a tick box exercise that we can just work our way through quickly and suddenly, hey presto, we're sorted. And it implies that not only are we meant to go out and make disciples, but that we should be disciples too. That we should be physically, mindfully, spiritually doing and being, learning, apprenticing ourselves to Christ. And as I started to read commentaries around this passage, and as I started to reflect, I started to feel uncomfortable. Because I am convinced that making a disciple is not about making someone look or sound like me. It's not about making people look or sound like us. It's about making people look and sound like Jesus. And I'm sure we all agree with that. But the reason I became uncomfortable is because I'm concerned that perhaps we ask people to look and sound like Bloomsbury before they become part of us. Not consciously. But I wonder, do we really accept those that seem so very different from ourselves? 
Because as a disciple, we should be constantly learning from the people around us, learning from our community. And if we're only learning from people who look and sound like us, then what are we actually learning? In Acts, the witness, the witness that they saw of people coming and being added to their number, seeing lives transformed, it brought them awe. And they continued to be transformed by God continuously. It's not a one-time thing. So are we still being transformed? Or have we become stuck? Do we get defensive? Are you getting defensive now? Coming up with arguments in your head as to why I'm wrong. But of course we aren't like that. Thinking about ticking off names in your head as to people who look a bit different or sound a bit different. Women, people of color, people from, who aren't from the UK but are still white European. Listing all the outreach that we do during the week. But let me ask you this. Who do we give precedent to here? Who do we give power to here? Who gets listened to over others? Where is that voice in the desert? And I'm uncomfortable. And I'm asking this as the middle-class, educated, privileged, white woman standing on a platform talking to you this morning. And so I come back to that priesthood of all believers. As Baptists, we adhere to this idea that all believers, regardless of gender, orientation, age, color, culture, background, living situation, class, disability, theology, or politics are all within that priesthood. But do we really represent that? Or do we have to wake up to our own silent judgment Barriers, control of those who don't look and sound and behave like us. Because what I feel absolutely sure of is that if we were really making disciples in the way that Jesus calls us to, then this church would resemble the multitudes from every nation and tribe described in Revelation. In our call to worship this morning, it said, after this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hand. 
That is not some far-off dream, some time that is yet to come, of how it will all be once Jesus comes back and sorts it all out. But it is a wake-up call to how it should be now. We pride ourselves on being inclusive. That is the primacy of our local church. That is what our identity is a part of. It is the ecclesiology that I have committed myself to, that I believe wholeheartedly. This is what is important, this priesthood of all believers, this gathered community, this discerning of us and the mind of God, the coming together, the being family. That is our reason, our purpose as Baptists. We are the local church. And we have independence and the privilege and freedom to discern God, to build church in Christ's image, to listen to teaching, to be in fellowship, to break bread, to love and support each other and commit ourselves to God through prayer. And it is a gift, this church, this life together. But above all, our call is to go out and make disciples. And it's not simply my job, because as I've said, this is a priesthood of all believers. We are all called, we are all culpable, all needed. We should all be looking and calling and making disciples that don't look like us. We should be out there listening, responding to the voices calling from the desert, the ones shouting from the outside in. It's not about trying to convince people that the resurrection might or did happen but to live a life that does not make sense unless the resurrection is true. It is our character and our lives and our community that will speak louder than our words. I was so challenged writing this sermon and I was called up short and I see myself as part of that problem. And so here's my challenge that I'm going to leave with you the thing that I want you to go away and really face honestly. If we are truly the inclusive, welcoming, open local church that we have the opportunity to be, that I think we want to be, that we think that maybe we are, are we taking seriously that commission to go away and take disciple, and make disciples? Because if we were, would we look like we do? We'll now have our prayers for intercession. Dear God, seven days it took you to make this amazing world. If only it took seven days for us to save the earth that we are slowly destroying. Climate change is more real than ever. 
Every day that goes by, we can feel, see, and hear about how this earth is being affected by the lack of us looking after it. The poorest countries face the biggest environmental challenges, whilst us fairly rich countries contribute, to the, contribute the most to green emission houses. This year, nearly every continent has experienced multiple record-breaking heat. This must not become the new normal. We must take action. So please, Lord, we'd ask you to guide us in the right direction to look after what you created. Amen. Lord, we think of our nation. We think of those that are in power and the struggles and the tension and the games that are played to hold on to that power, to gain that power. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for an interceding of your power, of your grace. Because it is those that are at the bottom that suffer. It is the least of these that feel the pain. We look ahead to Brexit the implications and the fallout from those decisions. And we lift up those that will be most affected by this. Lord, we pray for the divides across this country. Divides between class, between colour, between gender, between cultures, ethnicities. We pray for the fear that breeds those divides, that holds that gap. Lord, pour out your peace. Help us to build bridges. Help us to cross those divides. Lord, help us to become a beacon of how things could be. Lord, we lift up our nation. We lift up those that are at the bottom, those in the middle and those at the top. And we ask for your grace, your wisdom and your challenge for all. Amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us together in this community to be a witness to your grace in this place. Thank you for this city where people can express themselves with their can express themselves freely with their different personalities and identities. However, we pray for those who don't feel safe in this city due to violence, hate, or financial insecurity, for those who feel lonely or misunderstood, or that who feel there is no justice for them. May all people can get to know your eternal love. Help us to be welcoming for those who look for you, Lord, and for those who just happen to pass by our building. And help us pour back your love into this city 
as we have received your love through this community.